thank you as well to Andrew Levy for arranging this and putting it together. It's uh, truly... <clears throat> Truly a humbling experience, and, and as I was sitting there, I don't know how it is for you, uh, many of us have dual citizenships uh, with respect to the fact that some of us come here on Saturday morning, but we also attend some church somewhere. And as I'm sitting there, I'm thinking to myself, how could we share what we have just seen here with other people? And in that respect, I think perhaps there's some level of planning to move forward. I don't know whether they want to take this show on the road, as it were. But I think it's a show worth seeing. If I can use that term in a, in a sort of clinical way. Uh, I just, I had something prepared, but <clears throat> as I'm here, I'm actually sort of shifting gears briefly. Uh, I, I'm, I don't speak German. Uh, so pr- forgive me if my pronunciation is not right. Arbeit macht free. Work makes us free. This is the sign which is above many of the prison camps, most infamously Auschwitz number one. Work makes us free. It was really the d- d- defining statement of Germany. Because in an evil sense, they knew that the people who went here aren't working in order to make themselves free. They're going there because it is a camp of death. Doesn't matter how hard you work, you're not going to be free. And the great irony of it, listen, the great irony of this statement is the reality that this is the slogan of the world. Not just Nazi Germany. If you look at every religion apart from that which the Lord has set up, what does it tell you? Work will set you free. But listen, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace that we are saved, through faith. And that not of ourselves, but it is the gift of God. Not of works lest any man should boast. Do you want to know what sets people free? Free of addiction? Free of bad relationships? Free of the hardships of this world? Free of an uncertain future and an uncertain afterlife? Let me tell you what sets you free. The grace of God, which comes to you when you put your faith and your trust, not in your work, but in the atoning work of the Messiah. It's not just the slogan of the Nazis. This is the slogan of the world. If you want to be saved, you have to work for it. And you have to earn it. And maybe somehow you would have earned enough points with God so that He would let you in. We're not saved by our work. We're saved by His work. Amen? And that's what sets you free. You've come in here this morning, and some of you I know very well, some of you I kind of know, and some of you I've never seen in my life. 
And so I don't know exactly who I'm talking to at this moment, and I don't have any idea how the Lord is speaking to you in your heart right now. But it would be a shame if you left here having seen a wonderful production and gotten a a good message which, which compelled you and made you think and you walked out of here and you were not set free. And so I want to give everyone here this morning an opportunity to say in their hearts, Lord, I believe that Jesus is the Messiah. I believe that Yeshua has set me free. And I am turning from my sin. And I am turning to Him. And I am putting my faith and my trust completely in the atoning work of Yeshua. You say, how could I say that? I mean, I'm looking at this God. How could the Lord allow all this to happen? Well, let's think about what we know about the Lord. We know that he's perfect. We know that he is all-knowing. We know that he is good. We know that he's all-powerful. We know that his character never changes. And as they say in just good old country wisdom, you never trade what you know for what you don't know. These are the things that we know about the Lord. What we don't know is how could he allow this to happen? There's a book in the Tanakh or the Old Testament as it were. And we call it Lamentations. Written by Yirmiyahu, Jeremiah. But in Hebrew, the book is not Lamentations. In Hebrew, the book is called Echa. From the Hebrew word Ech, which means what? How? Even Jeremiah in his day. How? How could this happen? How could this happen to our people? And yet Jeremiah, if he was standing here today, I feel confidently would say to you, we don't know how. But we know this, we don't trade what we know about the Lord for what we don't know. Don't trade what you know for what you don't know. I just have a a brief note here that I wrote down as I was sitting and I was watching this. Another had said, never be afraid to place an unknown future in the hands of a known God. And so we say, what do we know? There's only one name given under heaven, Scripture says, by which men must be saved. And that is the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. And so I say it again, I challenge you now, even now, to say in your heart, Lord, I believe. Now help me with my unbelief. This is what I know to be true from the Scripture. This is what I know about my life. There's a lot that I don't know, but Lord, from what I do know, I am committing myself to put my faith and my trust in you. Because we are not saved by our works. Our works do not set us free. 
We are saved by the atoning work of the Messiah on our behalf. And based on that, I'm putting my faith and my trust in him. Could this happen again? I don't know if you have a Bible. But if you look at the end of the Brit Hadashah, which is a Hebrew way of saying the new covenant or the new testament as some would have it. Oh yeah, these times are coming again. And depending on how you read the newspaper, we may be in the midst of the beginning of those times even now. Here's another thing that we know about the Holocaust. There's a guy named Kelvin Crombie. Might not be particularly a person who you've ever heard of. But you might want to look at Amazon.com later. Look up Kelvin Crombie. He wrote a great book called The Restoration of Israel. And the subtitle of that book is called 200 Years of the CMJ. The CMJ started out as an organization founded by a guy named William Wilberforce. Perhaps if you're a Christian or a believer in Jesus, perhaps you've heard of that name before. 200 years plus, there was an organization called the LMJ, which stood for London's Mission to the Jews. And a lot of people don't know this because this is not a story which is told either in the church or among the Jewish community. But over 200 years ago, there began a revival among the Jewish people starting in London, England and spreading throughout Europe and even into the Middle East. And oftentimes, especially when we look at these posters and how Hitler used the church in order to try to get people on his side and how he effectively used the church. And so the story is spread throughout the Jewish community that Christians hate Jews, even to this day. But a story which is seldom told is the fact that not only did the Holocaust kill over 6 million Jewish people, but that revival, which had been almost 150 years in the building, the Messianic community, which was being established throughout Europe and was growing like wildfire, not only did Hitler kill the Jewish community, a third of all the Jewish community, But Hitler didn't care whether you're a Jew who believes in Yeshua or whether you're a Jew who doesn't. Sholem Ash talks about in his book, One Destiny, that there were many Jewish people whose parents had tried to to snuff out their Jewishness and Hitler told them that they were Jews and they didn't even know that they were Jews themselves. So among that one-third of all Jewish people, almost the entire Messianic community in Europe, was also extinguished right here. And in the 1930s and 19, uh, moving through the 1930s and into the early 1940s, almost the entire Messianic community in Europe was extinguished. And so here we are as believers And we'd like to say, oh, I wouldn't be one of the ones who would have sided with the. And I hope that that's true. But we can definitely empathize with the pain and the suffering of the Jewish people. And I don't know if you knew this or not, but I looked it up on voiceofthemartyrs.com. But last year, 
over 159,000. Stop and feel the gravity of that. That's half of Riverside County. Over 159,000 believers worldwide were martyred last year because of their faith. We can definitely empathize with the suffering of people when the enemy wants to extinguish the people who believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And so therefore, whether you're Jewish or whether you're a Gentile here, if you believe in the Messiah, then we stand alongside all of those who have put their faith and their trust in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It's true that salvation comes exclusively through faith and belief in the Messiah, Yeshua. And yet it's offered liberally to anyone who would believe, regardless of nationality. And so I'm going to close this morning one more time with the challenge. The right time to do the right thing is right now. And are you willing to turn from your sin and trade all that you don't know for all that you do know that salvation is offered to you if you would only receive it? And you can ask the Lord in your heart and say, Lord, I believe. Now help me with my unbelief. And did you know what? That's exactly why we exist as a messianic community. To not only share the gospel with the Jewish people, but also to share the gospel with any people. Because Yeshua is the savior of the world. And we spend a lot of our time educating people who also go to churches. And that's good so that there would not be anything in the future like what had happened in the past when somehow somebody could come along and convince naive people who considered themselves to be Christians that it was a good thing to just not do anything. We want to be sure that people understand the Bible They understand salvation. And we could build up a community of believers who put their faith and trust in the Messiah and then continue in their knowledge of God's word as we continue to to teach every word of it. Comprehensively teaching the Bible. Moving forward, out of the ashes of the Holocaust, you say, what good could have come out of this? Out of the ashes of the Holocaust, one good thing was this. And a great thing, I must say is that it was the establishment of the state of Israel. And through a collective guilt that I don't think that you'd be able to muster up today, the nations of the earth saw the atrocities of the Holocaust. And therefore, God used all of that in order to build the modern state of Israel today. Our rabbi is there right now. Next week, Stu Dowerman is going to come and he's going to speak on Israel's Independence Day. You don't want to miss it. And it's something that you're going to want to share with your friends and you're going to want to bring them to come and to see. The following week, I start teaching. You can make up your minds as to whether or not you want to share that with your friends. But here's what we're going to do. I don't know if you've ever done the math of it, but there's 89 chapters in the Gospels. From Matthew through John. 
Larry and Fran are gone for a little over 90 days. So I figure in the time that we've got, we're going to start reading a chapter of the Bible every day. And here's my commitment to you. Starting in two weeks, we're going to have a little sign-up sheet. And we're going to allow you to put your email on that sign-up sheet. We're not going to try to sell you soap or products or anything. I'm not going to try to sell my car to anybody online. The purpose is this. In two weeks from now, next week, Stu Dowerman. It's going to be awesome. In two weeks from now, we're going to start Matthew chapter 1. Or Matthew Yahoo. Because we're going to teach the Gospels in a way you've never seen. As I believe they were intended from a Hebraic mindset. And then the next day, which would be Sunday, you're going to get an email. And what it's going to be is a short devotional thought on Matthew chapter 2. Because you're going to read Matthew chapter 2 the next day. And the next day you're going to get an email. Do you know what that's going to be? A short devotional thought on what? Of Matthew chapter 3. And 4. And 5. And 6. And 7. And then we'll come back here a week later. And I'll teach Matthew chapter 8. And we're just going to read every day. Let's say you get, you get bogged down a couple of days. That's okay. It's just a chapter. Get caught up. And by the time Larry and Fran comes... Larry's going to be, man, look how educated and studious that my people are. And we're going to share with our friends about the things that we're learning, and we're going to invite them to come to Shuvah Yisrael. The greatest present that Larry and Fran could give to us is that they would come back, and they would be so on fire after this sabbatical. And the greatest gift that we could give to them would be a room full of people who are on fire for the Lord and ready to hear what Larry Feldman has to say. And when I say a room full of people, I'm not talking about just this section. I'm not talking about the bottom section. I'm talking about this whole room is full and we're scratching our heads about another service on Saturday morning. Amen? That doesn't happen when a guy gets up and starts preaching. That happens when you start sharing with your friend and your immediate network, as it were. And inviting them to Shuvah Yisrael. Because here, not the only place, but here we're going to learn the Bible. And we're going to get back to the word of the Lord. And we're going to start making an impact in this community. By the power of the Ruach HaKodesh, we're going to show people what happens when the Messiah gets into the hearts of people who are willing to be sent by the Lord. Amen? Amen. Two announcements, and then I'm going to set you free. When I say set you free, don't, don't let you go is what I mean. Tomorrow morning, everybody say tomorrow morning. If you're a man, no, don't have to say that part. But if you're a man, tomorrow morning there's a men's breakfast. That's April 7th, tomorrow morning at 8.30 a.m. at the Citrus Cafe 